The following commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3241 or you can email radio at bnntv.org. I have a problem every year around MLK Day because Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. for some reason has been treated as America's civil rights mascot. On this day, you'll have folks who would have never in their life marched with, agreed with, voted with anything he believed in. One of the biggest bigots in the United States Congress, he had the audacity to send out a Dr. King quote. Good evening and welcome. My name is Sharon Hinton. I'm your host here on Another Level. We are live. And so in a minute, the phone calls, phone call number, the number to call is about to go up because this is about you. This is about the community, and this is about the producers that bring the community to you through Boston Neighborhood Network Media. That's what we're talking about tonight. Community access television, community access producers, and the community, you. My name is Sharon Hinton, and you'll be telling me your name, where you're calling from, and your comments to questions. I'm coming back with Barbara Barrow-Murray, who is an Emmy Award producing, Emmy Award producer, and former studio manager here at BNN Media. We've got a bunch of amazing people that will be talking to us and to you, and hopefully to you. We have one line in, one line out, so if it's busy when you call in, please take your time. Um, on my line is a very, very good friend of mine, an amazing creative person who's working on a documentary, but I'm gonna let her talk about that. She has a radio show here at BNN Media, Welcome, my good friend and sister, Barbara Barrow-Murray. How are you? I'm fine, Sharon. How are you? I'm blacktastic. I'm still, you know, I still Charles Kemen's word. <laughs> black Nificent, blacktastic, black all day. Um, tell me, tell me, see, I know about you. And you're one of the people that's usually behind the scenes. And unless you came in as a producer here at BNN, people wouldn't necessarily know you but I know you. So tell people who you are and what you've done and what you're working on now and the importance of community access television, please. Okay, I'll do my best. Um, I came to BNN in October 2001. Wow. And I came and asked to be the education director at BNN. And I did that for a little while until there seemed to be some problem in what we called the Roxbury Studio at the time, and I was asked to come and be the studio manager. Well, I'm the first to tell you that I'm not a techie person, and I told them I'm a producer, writer, director. Uh, technician, I'm not. They said, that's okay. We want your management style for down there. We want your teaching style for down in Roxbury, and they were saying down in because the management was up at City Place uh, in the transportation building. So that's what I mean when I say down it. And uh, so I went to Roxbury from City, from city Place, and um, I worked as the studio manager, learning the ropes as I went along. Uh, Keith Williams was the technician who worked with me, taught me quite a bit, uh, a good, good brother. Uh, I don't know where he is now. I think he was sick. I know he went home to Philadelphia with his mom. I'm not sure what his status is right now. But if you can hear me, Keith, hey, how you doing? I love you. Uh, so anyway, I did not have a chance to do what I normally did at, at BNN. I produced, wrote, and directed, as I said. So I was a manager. I managed the interns. I managed the staff. I dealt with all of the producers who came in, and I trained all the new ones, Keith and I together. Um, so that's what happened there. And then in 2007, we moved from 
the Roxbury studio over to Eggleston Square, where you guys are now. And I continued in that same capacity. Uh, however, in April 2020, I was unceremoniously asked to leave BNN and not to return because of, this is what my letter said, because of COVID and the lack of FCC funding. But um, I get calls all the time now, and this is why I'm telling the story, this part of it, because I want the viewers who are listening to you, and I know the people who watch my show watch yours. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm producing a series now called Say Brother Radio. started in radio, and BNN put it on the air, and now it has its regular following on the air, as on TV as well as in the radio. Um, but so people call me all the time and ask me, when am I coming back to BNN? They still don't get it. The letter said, you are not to return. And that's exactly what it meant. I was not to return. So that's, that's my story. The beginning, the middle and the end. But but the beginning part, the beginning part, not to cut you off. You're actually, before you even came to BNN, was being at WGBH, producing the TV show, Say Brother. That's right. And that's where you won your Emmys. That's where I won seven Emmys. That's right. So uh, when I say the beginning, the middle of the end, I mean my BNN life. Ah. I'm talking about BNN right now. uh, But I got started in television at WGBH-TV. Uh, a wonderful experience, uh, one that told me that um, this is what I was supposed to do, even though dance is my first love and I was in a dance company before I did this. Uh, the same person who put me in a dance company told me I should go work for BNN. And since she sat on the board, she had an opportunity to help me get into the building. You have to get your own job once you get in there. But if you're ready, when they put you where you're going, you will be able to succeed. And that goes for everybody listening. If you're ready, when the move comes, you will succeed. Now, after that, um, I returned back to my roots, my roots being the artistic side of television, the producing, the writing, and the directing. So I took a radio course at BNN, a wonderful radio course, and I went and produced it, calling it Say Brother Radio, because GBH owns Say Brother, that title. But I called it radio because that's mine. And I started in radio. But they moved it to TV, and I just left the title the same, but it means both. In fact, a little personal plug right now. Uh, At 6.30 on Monday night, Mm -hmm. I'm on WBCA 102.9 for a half an hour. And at 8.30, I'm on BNN TV Channel 23 for the television show. Normally it's the same show, but not always. So uh, that's what I did when I came back. And I am independently teaching different groups of people who want to continue to, to, continue to be taught. But... In order to get the rights to produce at BNN, you have to come in and take the course, I believe. Mm-hmm. I still believe that that is the deal. Yeah, to get certified. Mm-hmm. So now, what um, is the importance of community access television to you? Well, BNN was my introduction to community TV. And it is, and I came there because Curtis Henderson had asked me to come there. And I knew him from a couple of ways. He lived with a woman who uh, was my landlady, and he was working at BNN at the time. I think he was a producer at the time, actually. And then um, he asked me to come and work at BNN. Uh, And I found out then that uh, community TV is is an environment that was created by, for, and about the people. By, for, and about the people. And I think that as I come back to BNN as a producer, 
it's missing that piece. You don't feel the people anymore. When I left in 2020 in April, it felt like a community television station. Minus COVID and minus the producers who were not there at the time, all we needed to do was drop the facade of COVID and it should have opened right back up. Well, every place else in the world, that facade has dropped. And if you wear your mask, you should be pretty good. Uh, I have mask vaccinations and boosters too. I'm not playing. I, I was 72 then, I'm 74 now. I can't afford to play. So that's what I did. But I would advise you people to come to BNN. It is a it is an organization that was created for the people, by the people. In fact, Sharon was not at BNN, but Sharon was at another element, another aspect of cable access at that time, as she tells me. And she could tell you better <laughs> how all that came to fruition. And she could also tell you as a producer who was, sitting right in the control, right in the studio right now, that it does not have that same feel. That execution, that mission, that statement is not being carried out because there's nobody there. There's nobody there to run your cameras. Fortunately, we got a pretty tight tech team to get your show on the air and off, get your breaks in. But let me tell you, Community TV should be about the community, and it does not feel that way. And I feel that, uh, Sharon, since you're sitting there, and you are the the, uh, president of the producers group, BMPG, uh, that you need to take this, if you will, as a question back to the board of directors, given you have access. And that is to say, when can the producers come in as they were originally designed to do with a crew to produce their programs? It would make it so much more uh, educational and informational for the viewers and something that the guests would even like to come in there too. Uh, I really think that we are missing something seriously and we are doing something seriously wrong not to have that involvement, not to have us follow the bylaws, not to follow and not to meet the mission, BNN's mission for BNN, for Boston Neighborhood Network. Um, Can you do that, Sharon? No, I'm not Jesus. I want everybody to be saved, but I know everybody won't be. Um, I, you know, I'm going to try. <laughs> I can okay. try with your help and with the other producers that will be calling in on this show and giving people information. Um, one last thing. How do people, how does the community continue to support or start to support or support um, community access television? Well, there are, more, there are several ways. One of the ways is by saying yes when you're asked to come on as a guest. Mm -hmm. One of the ways, you know, my mentor, Alma Lewis, used to say, give, get, or get off. The three Gs. Give resources, get resources, or get out the way. If you're dead, lie down. Just get out the way. And so they can do any of those things. They can do any or all of those things. Uh, They can get their strength in the numbers. They can bring other community people with them. And they can can come on and support. They can come on and support BNN. Thank you. No, I saw. Thank you so much, Barbara Barrymore, Emmy Award TV producer, Emmy Award winning TV producer. She's also on radio, Say Brother Radio. And tell us a little bit about, the last thing I want to say is tell us a little bit about the documentary you're working on. This is a documentary that I was hired for to help develop and produce and direct. Uh, 
It was written and created by Sherry Tucker Brown. She is an educator. Uh, she lives on the Cape and Bournemouth. She has uh, she has her own access television show on cable access in Bourne as Echo. Um, and it is about it's called Playgrounds in Color. Playgrounds in Color is about talking about the history of African Americans having a place to vacation when we were prohibited from going every place else and creating our own. And it's to tell that history. Nice. We started in the 1900s. Nice. So thank you so much for coming on to our show. Um, hopefully we can have you in here at one point because, um, yeah, you're not banned from my particular TV show. <laughs> and we found other ways, we found other ways to do that. So appreciate you calling in. I will be talking to you later. And thank you, Barbara Barry Murray. Barbara Barrow Murray. Um, okay. Thank you. God bless with your endeavors. She also, Barbara Barry Murray, was also involved with doing a local production um, with the Juneteenth. I think it was the Juneteenth celebra celebration at the Big Head Museum this past summer. So there was there is life after BNN and the Boston Media Producers Group is actually part of expanding all of what media is to um, a lot of different producers. And I can't really read that. A lot of different producers here um, who are community producers and yes, amen. And we have another producer coming up. That was, I'm, I'm looking up my glasses like this so I can tell you who the next producer is. Willie Weideman. I hope I pronounced her name because I just call her Willie. Willie of Willie's Web. And Willie is an amazing artist, a poet, a writer, and a producer of her own program, Willie's Web. And I believe she's the head person and lead person of Seniors on the Move. Willie, are you there? Yeah. Hi. Can How you are you me? doing? And she, Willie is also the vice president of the Boston Media Producers Group, so she's part of my tight, tight crew making it happen. <laughs> so, Willie, tell us how long you've been at BNN, what you're doing now, Ooh. and about your program, and the, and the importance of community access television, please. I have been doing my show at BNN for the last, um, got to be over 10 years. Woo. What happened? Hello? Yep, I'm right here. <laughs> Oh, for the last 10 years, or oh, better. And what is Willie's Web about? Um, I interview any artists, artists in the community, any producers, directors, poets, writers, authors. That's kind of my genre. I, I interview them, and I talk about their journey with their book, because usually it's the authors who write their story or tell their story, and I want to find out why they did it, what do they want to share, and that's what I do. And you have, and what is, you have books, too. You're a writer. Yeah. So what have you written? Yeah. Tell us about your books. I wrote um, the last three. I wrote three books. The first one was um, Ain't That the Truth? Not knowing what to do, I found a couple books and and kind of did it. And um, the second book was still all they are all short stories and poetry. And the third book was stretching the truth. Second wow. was make truth a habit. The third one was stretching the truth. I've worked with the library and helping people write their story. We have three two anthologies that we publish that I publish right for the. Uh, community writers or community people who want to tell their story uh, up in the corner library. And then you also have, had, have held workshops, too, for writers, right? Yes. I've done, um, we've done, um, well, probably about two or three workshops, but two of them have turned out anthologies that I have published for them. Wow. And all the money that's gained from that goes back to the library as a fundraiser for the up in the corner library. Nice. And then what do, you, what do you think the importance of community access television is? 
I think it's important because it gets the normal, the everyday person who's never going to have their story told mm. on TV. And then it extends further because you can put it on YouTube. They can take their own um, DVD and they can take it and spread around their own world mm-hmm. or take it to another state where people would not hear those everyday stories about people, lives that get touched that other people need to know about so that they don't feel like they're the only one. A lot of times we, we get trapped in, in a situation because we think we're the only ones doing it. And we find out, I'm not the only one? Wow, mm. somebody else is experiencing that? It's always good to know. And I did a show, I have a show coming up Tuesday, which is tomorrow at 8 o'clock. And it's this young guy who actually went to prison, and while he was there, he had an epiphany that he needs to get out of here. I can't live my life here. And he wrote a book about it. Wow. Actually, he did, too. The first one was about other prison stories. But this one we talk about tomorrow is his life. After 15, 18 years in prison, he comes out, he starts a... He starts a um, nonprofit where he goes back to help somebody. How many people in the community know about this program and know about him? That's awesome. And That's so, what community TV does. So tell us again, your program is tomorrow night, Tuesday, September 27th at 8 o'clock, 8 p.m. Willie's Web. Willie's Web, 8 o'clock, Tuesday. Thank you so much. It's awesome. My good friend, my good sister from another mister, Willie. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. So um, you guys are starting to get um, in, a, a uh, feeling of some of the people that are actually, and we're normal, right? So I was telling um, part of my crew tonight, Katie, the beautiful Katie, and Leroy and I have known each other for a long time, and he's one of the crew in the control room right now. Um, a lot of the equipment is locked down, but... For anyone who's been at BNN for a while, whether you came here as a guest or um, a producer or, or an intern, a college intern, or just watching and watching other people do their shows, or we've had so many people in here. Let me just tell you, before the pandemic, BNN was one of the places that all the politicians and elected officials and candidates came to because they couldn't afford the money for broadcast advertising. They all came through here. And there's specific producers that actually um, specialize in politics, in election coverage. We do a lot of the things that you will not see on the major broadcast media. Because we're in the community, we can report on things that we're part of. Willie is part of the literary world, and she's a poet, and she's an artist, and, and that's her circle. That's her family, that's her tribe, and that's what she does. Barbara um, has radio and television and um, Say Brother, for those of you who have been familiar with Say Brother, um, the show is called Something Else Now, and they're not paying me to promote it, but it's on Channel 2. And so a lot of us are doing um, what we do, what we love to do, and we're incorporating people from the community. And so there are a few other produce- producers who will be calling in tonight before we go off the air. But let me tell you about the Boston Media Producers Group. The Boston Media Producers Group was part of, was originally named the Boston uh, produce Boston Neighborhood Producers Group. So it went from a BNPG to BMPG because of the technological advances and because of all the areas that we touch, we said, let's talk about media, not just the neighborhoods. And so um, I've been doing this for over 40 years um, and actually have worked in radio, television, different radio stations, different television stations, Um, live, recorded, historic things, um, cable vision. In terms of management, um, I was the manager at City Place, studio manager at City Place, also studio manager at Roxbury Studios, the van manager. And I've taught at Massachusetts Communications College, um, studio uh, lighting, editing, writing, managing, producing, directing, And then I've also taught at other colleges and I've got like, I should be probably a multiple personality person, but I'm just a multitasker and this has always been 
my life in terms of creative stuff. My father was a jazz musician. I've been a musician. My sister is a singer. My brothers, I don't think, can sing or they've never tried it. But um, and always been in the creative uh, area, the creative arena, since I was a kid. I was the kid that underneath the covers would draw cartoon figures from the newspapers or just create. And whether it was ink or um, oils or acrylics or crayon or pencil, it didn't matter. And so my mother really got angry at me when I didn't go to Master College of Art or something like that. But I told her this is something, a gift that God has given me. And I don't really feel that there's anybody to qualify, qualified other than God to judge me. And I don't want to be in a situation where something I love to do, which I consider a gift, would be given a grade. But all the people that I know that are artists, even the famous ones, end up being broke. So I went to Northeastern for a business degree. <laughs> I figured, let's figure out how we can get paid from this and how we can make a living from this. And so uh, that's what I did. And, but I'm now I'm an educator. I've been an educator for over 45 years, teaching on elementary, middle school, high school, undergraduate and graduate levels, and trying to do um, the best that I can with what I have where I am. So that's me. Um, I have some other producers, hopefully, that will be calling in. And in the meantime, I'd like you to call in. I had a lady, well, I didn't have her, but I was at a doctor's appointment last week, walking down the hallway to a major hospital with my mask on. And a, a woman who worked there, who's actually working one of the tables for some of the services there, recognized me from being here on BNN television. I've had people recognize me from being on TV here who have, God bless you all, who have encouraged me and said, keep doing what you're doing, keep giving us this information. We, wanna, we want to show you this clip that talks about the future of television, the, the future of this um, medium, and also the importance of the community, giving community stories to inform the community. This is also an election period. The election is November 2nd, the actual election, not the preliminary election, that's done. But if you're not registered, get registered. But then again, how do you know who to vote for unless someone's informing you? Community Access Television performs a vital, vital service. Take a look at this clip and we'll be right back. All right, hi everybody. Um, first thing I want to tell you is uh, this photo was taken of me uh, in the morning before I was arrested by the Chinese police and held for about a week in prison. Now, I'm telling you that as a way to let you know that you know, everything's going to work out. Right? <laughs> I'm going I'm to tell you some stories about some people, but just bear with me. It's gonna, everything's going to work out. All right? Um, the next thing I want to tell you is, is my parents really taught me that you, know, you can do anything. But what that means is you have a lot of responsibility. So just want to leave you with one thing. Just remember that nothing is written. Everything changes. All right? So 12 years ago, I was here in DC. And I was part of something called Indie Media. And we thought it was going to be the future. You know, there was, there was a quote that I read uh, in the research of this talk that said, before the internet, there simply were no tools for grassroots media, and the internet has leveled the playing field. 12 years ago, right? Seven years before the founding of, of YouTube and citizen journalism, all the things that we think of today as the internet. So I can say maybe we were a little ahead of our time. But the point is, you know, we had a passion. We wanted to be the media. We wanted to tell people the stories that were unheard. But after time, you know, after a little while went by, we realized we weren't changing and we weren't adapting and we weren't really going forward and telling the real stories. Because, you know, not everybody wants to be a journalist. And if you don't go to find those people and encourage them to tell their stories, you're never going to get all the stories. This is Omar. Omar is a Palestinian Syrian who was born in Iraq, a stateless person who then found a war and a lot of other things as if his life wasn't messed up enough. He never wanted to be a journalist. He wanted to be, he was in the Air Academy. He wanted to be a pilot, right? After the invasion of Iraq, 
13 of the 17 members of his class died within the span of the first few years of the war. So you can imagine, you know, why Omar might have seemed to me as something of a nihilist, a guy who didn't really seem to care about anything. You know, he cared about motorcycles and Metallica. And what must he have thought when he met me? You know, 25 years old, dropped in Baghdad with barely a plan, here to tell people stories. Well, after three weeks, Omar said to me, dude, do you think we could ever start our own TV news agency in Iraq? I mean, he's 18, I'm 25, we have no resources. But remember what I told you, this is the same year that YouTube was started, and Blip TV, and all various video sharing sites. So we did it. You know, we, for three years, we produced a, a weekly news and documentary program about life in Iraq. But after that time, you know, Omar was a refugee. All of our colleagues lost family. Um, you know, it's, it's, we, couldn't, we couldn't keep doing it, right? But I couldn't let go. You know, I, I was doing it not for the story. I was doing it because I didn't know how to do anything else. Then my daughter was born. And I learned a lot more about letting go, right? I learned that like, everything changes. Remember what I told you? Everything changes. This is Mabruka. She's a, a Libyan woman photojournalist. So let me tell you how I got to Libya. In 2011, I was planning to go to, to Egypt and help support the media starting up there. And funders, as funders do, said, well, you know, we really think you should go to Libya. So I showed up in Libya on March 9th, just one week before the invasion of ben the attack on Benghazi and all the journalists fled. So we spent a week there training 12 English teachers to be journalists and filmmakers. Then March 19th happened. All the journalists fled. Everybody left. We didn't know what we were doing. We didn't have any backup. We didn't know support. So when the journalists left, we left. You know, 12 hours later, I hadn't heard anything from my colleagues in Libya. 24 hours later, still nothing. You know, my, my friend Louis and I, a guy I was working with, we sort of said, well, it was a good try. We did good work. But, you know, maybe something will come. 36 hours later, six videos were published by the team in, in Benghazi, entirely by themselves, right? They shot it, they edited it, they uploaded it, they got it done. And that was the start of the first fact-based news agency in Libya. Unfortunately, at the end of the revolution, most people went back to their lives, because most people don't want to be journalists. You know, most people have a lot of other passions, and that's okay. But Mabruka, she's a photojournalist, and a Libyan, and a woman, and she's from Benghazi. You've probably heard about Benghazi, because they've been talking about it a lot in the debates and in the news. I just want you to look at Mabruka and know that there's a lot of people in Libya, and that's not the whole story. And they want your help. They want you to hear them, they also want you to tell their sto your stories so they can hear your story, their stories, right? She told me today that the one thing she wants people to know is that even though we have a revolution, there's still no support for the free media in Libya. So we don't know what's going to happen next. Just last week, I was in Tunisia working with, with locals there who actually... They did choose to be revolutionaries. They are choosing to be journalists. But they don't know how. They don't know where to start, right? You can see here, this is uh, the hands. That's uh, Mohammed Nasri. I met Mohammed via Facebook. I just asked some journalists who'd been in Tunisia during the revolution, is there anyone you can recommend? And they suggested this guy, Mohammed. And when I showed up in Tunis, I suddenly thought to myself, what am I doing? I don't, know, I don't know anything about this guy other than a few people recommended him. And I, I said to my colleague, I was like, you know, I, I need to tell you something. I don't actually know this guy that well. We, we could be in for something a little scary. But again, I'm here. It all worked out. <laughs> Mohammed is 30 years old, and he runs an internet cafe in Kasrin. Kasrin has double the unemployment of the national average in Tunisia. They have no opportunities. They have no reason to feel positive about their lives. Yet they're really doing it. They really want to make media, and they really want to tell their stories. And the question is whether or not you and other people will listen, right? You look at this slide, and you probably think, I'm going to tell you that the future of media is mobile. But that would be 
kind of tired, and we've heard that a lot. I want you to think that, that the future of media is local, right? This is the future, right? Tunisians telling the stories of other Tunisians, posting them online. During the Egyptian revolution, we've, you know, we have a huge Egyptian and Arabic immigration, immigrant populace in America. They had to look at Al Jazeera or Facebook or Twitter because there simply was no news. There was no stories being told about those people. Everybody has a story and somebody wants to listen to it, right? I think that's the question. How are we going to help people tell their stories? How are we going to help you tell your stories, help other people listen, right? As I said, not everybody wants to be a journalist. Not everybody wants to be a revolutionary. For myself, you know, I could tell you I didn't want to be a journalist. But yet, look at my life. You know, I've, I've very much taken that role. Um, I'm here to help people tell their stories. So the reality is, we don't know what the future holds, right? Everything changes. And that's awesome. You know, we've heard a lot about global climate change and the backward immigrant policies and all these things that we have that we need to fix. But the future is unwritten. We still have time, right? You just have to want to do it. And you have to be willing to be brave, tell your story, and change, right? You can't, you can't keep doing everything the same and expect different results. I have no idea who these girls are. But I know one thing. This is the future. This is the future of journalism. And we better get ready, and we better get used to it. It's not going to be Anderson Cooper forever. <laughs> Thank you. And thank you so much, Brian Conley. He's the director of Small World News and has been involved in media literacy and media democracy work for more than 10 years and has trained journalists and citizen media makers in a dozen countries. Brian designed the program and training for India Unheard, a national community news service comprised of Indian community activists from all over the country. And he led Small World News work, assisting Pajwok, Afghan News to develop a video service which expanded the capacity of their provincial journalists to produce quality multimedia journalism. He has designed an array of projects leveraging emerging technologies to develop community media in conflict areas and repressive, repressive states. So how do we tell our stories? How do we help you tell our stories? Another person who's been helping us tell our stories is Elaine Corbin. She actually has three names. I'm so sorry, Elaine. But Elaine Corbin um, is on the line, and she has a show that she wants to tell you about that she produces that involves the arts. Elaine, are you there? I'm here. Hi. How, How you are doing? You? So please tell I'm us about your program. Right, tell us about How your. You doing? I'm good. Tell us about your program. How many years you've been at BNN producing, and what you're working on now and the importance of community access television. I know that's a lot. I'm so sorry I'm throwing this at you, but... That's okay. <laughs> um, hey, I started at BNN when it was over at the Roxbury Mall. So I have been with BNN for 16 years this month. Wow. And the name of my show is Artists of Color. And the reason it's the Artists of Color is because I believe that artists, black and brown artists, when they have their stories told, it needs to be told from their voice. And I feel like I am their voice. And our community needs to know that we have an art and cultural voice. And I want to be and always have been that voice. And, and com community access and our community is important. It's important to me. It's important to the community. I learn that every day when I walk down the street or I ride a bus, and people walk up to me and say, I know you. I've seen your show. We love it. You're going to continue to do it? Yes, I am. I'm going to continue to do it. Now tell me what, you're working on something now. Weren't you working on something, Paul Goodnight or something? I recently, in August, had a show with Paul Goodnight. We did an amazing conversation. Uh, we loved it. We talked about so many things. One of those things was about an art and cultural institute within our community for black and brown artists, that we need to have our own institute that, that is part of who we are, 
and caters to us as a people, as a community. That was one of the important things that we talked about because he had talked about this all during the summer when Nubian, uh, Nubian Square had, their, had the murals on the walls there during the summer, and there was a mural of him that was done, him as an artist and a young, a very young person being trained to become the next artist behind him. Because Paul's not just an artist. He's an image maker. Mm -hmm. And everything that he does comes from who he sees, who he talks to, talks to and our community as a whole. And how do you think people can support Access Television, community television, and community producers? We, I think we need to have more of us and our voices need to be heard. We need to say that the artists and the producers that we have that are in Access TV need to be there continuously, and their voices need to be heard. They need to say, hey, we know this artist, we know that artist, we know this producer, we know that producer. We love them. We cater to them. And you can't make that. You can't just say they're no longer going to be. Mm -hmm. If we have to fight an issue, then we're going to need to do that. And I feel that's possibly going to be the case. Wow. That's important stuff and important words. I've known you forever. I actually know your family. You guys were students of mine at Springfield College. That's right. <laughs> <And so, laughs> I know. So Boston is a big town. And if you're doing anything here, you're going to run into one of us somewhere. I mean, I run into people at South Bay, run into people at the movies, shopping, throwing out my trash. There you, there you go. <laughs> and there's something, tell us about what it's like when you meet your audience. I'm very humble. Mm. That's what it's like when I meet my audience. I meet my community. They told me what they think of my show and am I going to continue doing it? But I am very humbled because when I first started this show back in 2006, I did not know I was going to continue as long as I have, and I did not know it was going to actually be a part of my life because I feel like my show and DNN Media and Access Television is part of my life. Mm. Wow. And I feel that in every person that I see or talk to that walks up to me or walks by me and says, I've seen you. We love your show. I don't know your name, but I watch your show all the time. Wow. And to me, that's humbling. And what's your next show that's coming up? Uh, my show is this coming Friday. And I'm having, there's a poet and a writer named Mary McCullough. She is going to be my guest this coming Friday at 4 p.m. It's a live show, as most people know, and it's an hour long. And she's, she, I've known her a minute. I met her back in 2005, but I, met, I was at the uh, Hibernian Hall, had their fellows brunch this past Saturday, and I was invited to come, and I came. And it was great, and I got to talk to her. And that was another thing. They asked us, what, is, what do we need to do as a community for artists and cultural organizations of color within our community? What can they do to promote us? Mm -hmm. Well, I bring like you told them. You need to help us fight for what we have already. If you can't at least be there to help us move on the way. And I've gotten to the point that I'm going to be talking with the new uh, um, executive director. Her name is Leslie Reed. And their community organizer, her name is Harris. We're going to sit down and have a conversation about what we need to do. Art and culturally, uh, media, all of that. And that's going to be a conversation we're going to have. And they want to have that conversation with us. Wow. Thank so you. I'm going to be at that conversation. Thank you so much, Elaine, Sister Elaine, my sister from another mister. 
And she is the yeah. producer of Artists of Color. Yes? <laughs> okay, thank you. We have a next phone caller, Rachel Meiselman. Rachel is also a producer, and she is the secretary of the Boston Media Producers Group. Rachel, are you there? Yes, I am. Hi. Hi, Rachel. You've got, I mean, we've got like <laughs> 10 minutes and so much stuff to cover. Thank you for calling in. Tell us about your program, um, how long you've been with BNN, and the importance of community access television, please. Okay, well, I'll, I'll try to be as concise <laughs> as possible. Um, I've been with BNN since 2011. Um, I, I don't even remember how I found out about uh, the, the programming, the different classes that are offered, but I found out, and I said, you know, I, I'd really like to do television. I had already been doing radio elsewhere, uh, internet stations. So I said, you know what, um, let me do TV as well. Let me try my hand at that. And so I took the course. And then it was maybe another year or so before I started uh, producing and hosting Bostonian Rap. Uh, I, it's, it's been incredible. Um, I very much consider Bostonian rap my baby. <laughs> um, it's what I, I have to say this. What I like about uh, community access, why I think it's so important and why my show was such a good fit for community access is because of the freedom mm. that producers and hosts have. I don't see that same level of freedom uh, in other, uh, on other platforms and other uh, media outlets, because I do consider BNN, um, you know, the community side, I do consider us a media outlet, very much so. Um, the freedom, the freedom is, is really something. Um, and I think that it's particularly I think value now because I think a lot of times people just hear the same kind of set of talking points. Mm -hmm. uh, they hear the same perspectives. And so to hear different points of view, I think that that's really, uh, I think that's really critical. I think that's really critical um, to maintaining uh, dialogue. Now, what, and, is, uh, what is the ahead. next program that you have? What, what are you doing? On, when is your next program and when do you have it? We've, we're coming down to like five minutes here. You know how, sure. fat, how quickly this time goes. Yeah, it, it really is crazy. Um, so my next show is actually Friday, just like uh, Elaine's. Uh, I'm going to be on at 7. It will be a live show as well. And uh, it's, again, it's, it's a wonderful opportunity uh, to be able to um, present different people, uh, different ideas, uh, and different topics. Put them before uh, the audience and, and let them decide what they want to do with this information. Um, let them decide how they want to consume it and mm. kind of how they want to kick it around. Thank you so much, Rachel Meisman, Secretary of the Boston Media Producers Group. Um, she's been hanging in there and and wonderful person. We haven't even got a chance to talk about your political career and the whole thing and being a lawyer, but it just goes to show the, the diversity of all the people that come here at BNN and, and our producers. So I'm gonna be looking forward to your program and Elaine's program, um, Channel 23. There's other programs that are happening. Thank you so much, Rachel Meiselman. I have another phone caller coming down to the end of this program. Good evening, caller. Who is this? I'll make it quick. You and I met Ten years ago, this month, at the Strand Theater, when Dr. Carl Anderson and Dr. Umar Johnson came to Boston, huh? and please tell me you don't remember that. Huh? I've knew you've been calling me for a while, <laughs> and you've yeah. been a supporter of BNN, and I've actually heard you on different media, Boston Praise Radio, in different places. Um, so, what do you think about the importance of community access television? Well, I'm surprised because I'm a being a producer. I went to the class in 2016. Huh? That's right. And you actually, you, but you became, you were a member of the audience first, and then we invited you to come and take the classes and get certified, and now you're a producer. 
you got a strong memory, yeah? Yeah, I do remember. I mean, I remember um, because you were one of my staunchest supporters, and you always encouraged me, encouraged other producers, and you also encouraged people in radio. So do you have another program that's in the pipeline right now that we could watch? Well, I, I, I'm not going to make any excuses, but <laughs> I want to keep it on the west for the time being. Oh, it's a surprise. Okay. Okay. And so you want to tell people the name of the show, or do you just want to keep everything under wraps? Everything under wraps. Oh, geez. Well, thank you for calling in. You're actually our last phone caller, which is appropriate. So thank you again for tuning in and supporting us. Um, and thank you, guys. We've only got a couple minutes left to the rest of the show. So how do you become involved? Uh, television seems like it's such a mystical thing. I originally, um, uh, not originally, recently went to see The Woman King yesterday. And that's how recent it was. And I encourage everybody to go. The reason why is because when you see media that you like, whether it's a radio program, television, podcast, OTT platform, support it by viewing it, by contributing to it, by calling in by fighting for whatever it is. Um, right now, the big broadcast media places are selling off their brick and mortar. They're selling off their buildings. And the technology is changing. As the, for those of you who have seen the, um, the second clip that we played that talked about the importance of the community and the people on the ground telling their stories. And letting you know, as some of the producers said, that you're not alone, that you are one of a collective, and that there is so much information out there. And we are actually taking the place of broadcast media and adding to um, the real news on the ground to give you information to build a nation and nations. And so that's why there were other clips that I had, like Australia, um, and when they were fighting to actually make sure the regulations did not eliminate community access television, um, depending on who is in office on the federal level, uh, the chairman of the SEC will be selected, and that person decides how much money comes to PEG. Uh, grants PEG is public education and government uh, programming, government grants. So Sesame Street, um, all these programs that you see, WGBH, um, public broadcasting, PBS, that is public broadcasting. That is educational entertainment. One of the educational, um, excuse me, programming, and then there's also education. Um, and entertainment. So you've got to look at the two different things. News right now is more edutainment. And if you see the things that are being called news, it's not necessarily news. But what we do here at BNN TV, BNN Media, is we're involved in television, radio, broadcast, bringing the information to you above and beyond what the broadcast media is doing. Thank you for tuning in this evening. My name is Sharon Hinton. You've met just some of the producers in the Boston Media Producers Group. Please support us and take care of yourself. God bless. Don't get it twisted.